is the 77 WABC minicast. I understand Alan Dershowitz is on. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. We have the professor. Bring him, bring him in. Let's bring him in. We have the former Harvard professor of distinction there and also multi-bestselling author, uh, Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz. Which case you want to come up first? There's yeah. so many cases. Yeah. I, I want to talk about how the president of Harvard should become pretty quickly the former president of Harvard. Amen to uh, that. Bravo, bravo. Just like the University of Pennsylvania. And MIT. Right. Right. <laughs> Let her join me in the status of emeritus. That's where she belongs. And, and there's a very interesting reason for it. Before she became president of Harvard, she was the dean of Harvard College. And as dean of Harvard College, she fired a professor, Ron Sullivan, who had been the dean of Winthrop House, because he represented Harvey Weinstein and because the students said they were afraid. They were afraid. They were in fear. And that was the reason for firing him. Now, don't you think that hundreds and hundreds of Jewish students are now afraid, are now fearful because she's the president and because she couldn't come out unequivocally and state that Harvard's policies condemn and require dismissal of any student who calls for the genocide of any group, Jews, Muslims, or anybody else? So I think she made her own bed by her own firing of somebody because of fear, and now she has to bear the burden of that by her own standard. She shouldn't be the president. You know, um, the comments that uh, that really got her in hot water, I watched that when that happened live. And Elise Stefanik was like a surgeon, like going after. And and here was Claudine Gay, uh, the president there of Harvard. And I couldn't believe it was one of the most stunning moments, I think, that I've seen in a long time, Professor Dershowitz, because she could not answer. She said, well, don't you think genocide is a bad thing? And she said, well, it depends if it's context, words, if it's context. A, right words or actions. And then Stefanik said, well, well what uh, you need to see an action of genocide. You, you, need, you need to see a dead body or two. Then right. act. Yeah, I mean, it well, was stunning. You know, one of the reasons is that she had her whole testimony scripted by lawyers and she wasn't prepared to answer spontaneously because, you know, being the president of Harvard, she doesn't have to answer to anybody. She just issues statements. And now she was treated like an ordinary person uh, by a very, very smart member of Congress who asked her questions. And, you know, they were questions that should have been easy to answer. Um, and and they, they weren't even the hardest questions. The hardest questions would have been about a double standard at Harvard. You know, if any student says anything negative about anybody based on sexual orientation or race or poverty or anything, they immediately get disciplined. But I guess there's a separate rule for Jews. And that's the question that she should have been really pressed on and, and, and with history and background. Um, but she failed the test. You know, they say that every Harvard student, every Yale student now gets an A in every course. Did you see that? 97, I think, percent of students get A's. Even by that absurd standard, she got a D minus. Absolutely. And by the way, Alan, I think it's a bigger question than MIT, Penn, and Harvard. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a question. It's, it's across the country, including, by the way, look what happened up in Yale. Or look what happened at, at Cooper Union, where they, the kids yeah. had were barricaded. Listen, I mean, enough is enough with this, uh, with this stuff, you know?
Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. By the way, uh, I also think you guys clearly uh, there's a bit of a reckoning. So I, I would think you're happy to hear some of the new developments that happened. This is a big deal. It was a one hundred million dollar donor at UPenn uh, who pulled yeah. out his money and said, "Enough." It sounds like, sadly, uh, but money talks. And, and Vito Fasella was on yesterday, and he represents a lot of. Uh, uh, University, Pennsylvania. University of Pennsylvania. He, you know, he went to the yeah, University of Pennsylvania right. and uh, Wharton School, and uh, and they're calling he's got a today. Large support, and they're calling but, today know, for had, the dismissal. Had, yeah, yeah. I she think had I, a warning about that even before this happened. Ron Louder, who's a great guy, went to see her before this all happened and said, "Do you know that Penn is sponsoring a writers' conference of Palestinians at Harvard? Nothing wrong with that." except the speakers are all calling for genocide and mass killings of Jews. And don't you think you ought to do something about it? And she didn't do anything about that. Uh, who is this? Is this Harvard or UPenn? No, this is UPenn. And Ron Louder is one of the biggest contributors to UPenn. I think he is, like many others, have, have uh, um, uh, withdrawn their contributions. I mean, I don't give a lot of money, but I no longer will give a penny to Harvard or Yale or Brooklyn College. Um, where I went. I loved Brooklyn College, but they won't allow me to speak there about Israel. You know, this is not about suppressing other people's speech. This is about a double standard. This is about people who support Israel can't speak on these college campuses. When I was invited by Chabad to speak at Harvard, they were supposed to speak at the law school, and they made me change it to the Chabad house off campus for fear of my own personal security. Professor for 50 years there, and I couldn't speak safely at Harvard about a two-state solution for Israel. So it's not about banning other people's speech. It's about the double standard that our speech, any speech that's perceived in any way as pro-Israel, by the way, or pro-American, or pro-Judeo-Christian tradition, you can't speak anything conservative. Look, the National Lawyers Guild stops speakers from speaking all over um, at, at Berkeley, at, at Stanford, at many, many other places. So, you know, they it's okay when they censor, but if you try to stop people from talking about genocide against the Jews, oh my God, that censorship. By the way, did you standard. did you see Professor um also uh this is interesting. I mean students and donors are fighting back. Uh there was a Harvard hates Jews a huge banner being flown above Harvard next to a Palestinian flag. It's by Jewish students are putting it out there. And apparently it's, it's, they are saying, you know, enough. In other words, we're fed up. We're going to stand up and we're going to do that. There's a huge truck banner that's now going around UPenn tr- blasting them. Jewish students with their backing and donors are saying enough. Alan, do you well, think this is a, a turning point in terms of university administrations, or is this just a one shot? I sure hope so. No, I hope so. It'll never turn until we get rid of the DEI bureaucracy, this diversity, equity, inclusion bureaucracy, which has cost hundreds of millions of dollars. It resulted from the so-called reckoning following the George Floyd case, created this bureaucracy where you have loyalty oaths, and you have to support diversity, which doesn't mean real diversity of intellectual views. It means only skin color diversity and equity, which is the opposite of equality and inclusion, which explicitly excludes Jews. And so this whole uh, diversity, equity, inclusion to has fraud. been the major source of the anti-Semitism. And until that's dismantled, no matter who the president is, there's going to be pervasive anti-Semitism.
Yeah, that's for sure. Before we let you go, real quick, your thoughts on the Hunter Biden case. Well, it's a serious, serious case. Uh, I don't like the indictment. I'll tell you why I don't like the indictment. I don't like the fact that they included in the indictment all the money he spent on pornography or on adult entertainment. That seems to be somewhat prejudicial. It doesn't matter what he spent it on. If he had spent it on, you know, uh, buying prayer books to pray to to the Lord, that wouldn't make a difference. It just was was is very biased. The the indictment itself, but it's a strong indictment, and uh, you know, it's a very serious it's a very serious charge. Now, how is it biased? Money back, Professor Dershowitz. How is it biased? Why do we need to know that he spent the money on these terrible things? It's not relevant to the indictment. It just that becomes the lead story in every newspaper. Oh my God! Does it prevent him? Does it give him an excuse not to uh, uh, testify before Congress? Of course not. But first of all, he was indicted previously. So if he wanted an excuse, he had it. But no, that's no excuse. All he can do is refuse to answer specific questions. But he could have done that anyway for fear of an indictment, even if before the indictment. So the indictment itself has no impact at all on the Fifth Amendment privilege. None. Well, thank you, Professor Dershowitz, for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, oh, thank Professor. You. Have thank a great you. weekend. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Good. Thank you. Yes, happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Thank you, Professor.